Father, we give you all the glory, the honor, and praise, and thank you for this opportunity in your word. We thank you that our preaching and teaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but Father, let it be a demonstration of spirit and power. Holy Spirit, you're here. Touch each and every person. Touch each and every household represented. Touch this entire room. I declare every sickness and disease you dissipate and go in Jesus' name. Amen. Every fear, every anxiety, every concern, every worry, you loose your hold off of God's people right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You have no place of authority in their lives. Amen. God says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made on to God. And he says, and then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep and guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You're not waiting on God, he says. He says, but I'm waiting on you to come to me boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. That I will be able to release the answer to you so you will know the way in which you shall go. He says, now receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Receive godly wisdom right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Receive comprehensive insight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Receive wisdom right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. And receive your healing right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And glory to God. God says, I'm calling my people back into relationship with me. God is calling his people back into Russia. You want to know why it's, it seems like people won't commit to God. When I tell you the reason why, it's going to blow your little mind. Because it blew mine. I actually taught on it yesterday. But I'm not going to. The message yesterday was for yesterday. This the message for you all is something totally different. The message for you all today is a charge to keep. A charge to keep. I got to make this declaration and we're going to jump right in. And according to Isaiah 61, one says this, that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, that he avenges for our God and to comfort all who mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste, and they shall raise the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Who did God say was going to do the work? Did it ever say that God was going to do the work? It says for those who the spirit of the Lord is upon, they're the ones God is going to do the work through. See, you're waiting on God to get off the throne, come down, turn your situation around. God says, that's not how it works. God says, I use you. I use you, those who the spirit of the Lord is upon. I use you as my representatives in the earth because the only way God can get expression in the earth is through you. Y'all said, that's not true. Let me, add, okay, hold that thought. I'll prove it. When I say, or I didn't say, God said that you had a charge to keep. That word charge means this. You have an order. You have an injunction. You have a mandate. Each person who, who's called upon the name of the Lord has a 
mandate or a command or a specific purpose in which you were created. You're not here by accident. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not here by accident. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're not here by accident. And then point to yourself, hey, I want to remind you, you are not here by accident. In fact, God told me to tell you this. In accordance to Esther chapter 4 and 14, he says that if you, he says this, he says to Esther, if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. He said, told me to tell you this. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. God told me to remind you that you have been sent to this kingdom. Now, the kingdom simply means a king's influence over a domain. So God says, I have sent you here for such a time as this. So my kingdom, my kingdom influence will have influence over this territory, over this domain. Your house is a domain. Your job is a domain. Your community is a domain. The province is a domain. God says, I sent you here for such a time as this. But you can't be silent. Why can't you be silent? Second Corinthians chapter four. Uh, verse three says this. If you remain silent. If you if your gospel is is hidden, is hidden to those who are perishing in whose case the God of this world, a.k.a. Satan, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So if you remain silent, the gospel will be hid and they will remain lost. Why can't you remain silent? Why can't you be in your little secret place? You're forward no more. It's because people's lives are dependent upon you. Pause and think about that. Did you know that the only way you got born again is somebody exposed the gospel to you? What if somebody would have remained silent and didn't say anything and let you bust hell wide open? I know, it's tight, but it's right. I'm, I'm like, Lord, I mean, you do realize I am. Okay, hallelujah. Remember the last time I came to see you all, God showed, he says it's only tight if you want to hold on to your old life. See, if you look at the rich young ruler, it really was not as much about him as it was about the kingdom of God. What he was trying to show you was people who have wealth, which there's nothing wrong with having wealth. There's nothing wrong with having prosperity. But he had a wrong relationship with it. He had more confidence and faith in the money than the one who gave him the ability to get it in the first place. And when the one who gave him the ability to give it to him in the first place came and asked him, what did he say? Hey, I want to have a God kind of life. I want to have eternal life. I want to have life the way that God intended it to be from the very foundation of the world. Jesus said, cool. I got an answer for you. He says, how do I get it? He says, go sell everything you have. Come follow me. Take up your cross and follow after me. It says the guy pondered and he was grieved. 
because he saw what Jesus said as a loss, not a gain. And God says this. He says that that's what's happening in the body of Christ today. When I ask you to do something like <laughs> Pastor Jordan and I, when, when God told us that we was going to make this transition, you, you won't even believe all the kind of offers that we were getting to stay. If you stay, then we'll do this. If you stay, we'll do that. If you stay, if you stay, we'll do this. We had a choice and it looked good. But it's like, see, yes, sir. He says, many people say that they love me, but many people don't demonstrate that they love me because when I ask them to do something that's going to cost them something, they hold on to what it is I asked them to give. When you love somebody, like I love Pastor Jewett. I mean, I don't just like her. I mean, I love her. So, which means that I'm willing to release everything else for her. Everyone else for her. Now, it doesn't mean somebody hasn't tried to come along, try to, I mean, shoot, we've been together before and somebody tried to spit their, I mean, I apologize. They was trying to talk to me, trying to, you know, offer me some things. And I'm like, you got, you got to be crazy. You think I'm going to give up my filet mignon for some spam? <laughs> Sacrifice everything I got for something that I don't even know it, what it is for you? Man, psh, get out of here. We ain't doing that. It's a commitment of heart. Most believers have a commitment in their head. They don't have a commitment in their heart. God says, I called you last time I was before you. He says, I made you the man to, to dominate. How many of y'all been dominating since the last time I was here? Okay, now we're going to have a big altar call today. All y'all coming to the altar today in Jesus' name. Dominate. What do you mean dominate? Well, God created you to dominate. Dominate doesn't mean you go in, kick your boss's door and say, let me tell you what you're going to do from this day forward in the name of Jesus. Chances are, Pastor Sandra and Pastor Beatus will be getting a phone call to come down the city to come get you out of jail. <laughs> right after they get you out of the mental hospital because they think you don't lost your mind. When he says you're to dominate, God says in Genesis 1.28, he says, I created you to dominate, not tolerate. Y'all missed a good place to say amen right there. Amen. I created you to dominate. Not tolerate. Y'all tolerate too much stuff. That's what he's telling me. Y'all tolerate too much stuff. Adversary come in and smack you upside your head. I'm going to take your children. Well, I'm going to pray my strength in the Lord. No, you better fight for your kids. How you, get, how you fight for your kids? Get on your face. Begin to pray and decree and declare over them what the word of God has said over them. Begin to decree and declare how, how this thing is going to end. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what they say. Father, I know what your word says, and I'm not going to let go of it. I'm going to be like a hungry dog out the bone, and I'm going to keep pushing my foot on the adversary's neck till he lets my children go. He says, I, want, I created you to dominate. He says, you were made to dominate. Genesis chapter 128 says, and God blessed them and, and said to them, be fruitful, be multiplied, replenish the earth and subdue it. Using all the vast resources in the service of God and man and have dominion means to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creeping thing which moves upon the earth. Dominion means you are to rule and to reign. How do you do it? With your words. Mm -hmm. 
what are you saying about your situation? Are you saying you busted, disgusted, and can't be trusted? Are you saying that your house is going to be busted all the days of your life? You know what I say when I look at the bank account, and the bank account's not looking the way that I needed to look? There will be wealth and riches in our house all the days of our life. My body is healed from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. If I'm, sit, if I'm at home and my body is telling me that, hey, you sleepy, you know what I tell the Holy Spirit? Quicken my physical body by your spirit. Are you listening to me? Okay. He says, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to always keep producing. He says, I want you to multiply. I want you to always be increasing. He says, I want you to replenish. I want you to fill and refill. And then he says, I want you to subdue. Subdue means to conquer by force. He didn't say you got to be. It's like taking, sometimes Christians take a, a sport to a gunfight. <laughs> quit, Mr. Temple. Quit it. Stop it. Quit it. You look crazy. <laughs> quit. Yeah. No. Kick his door in and go back and get your stuff. How y'all do that? By your words. See, the only way you're going to dominate, because if you look at how Jesus did it, Jesus didn't just say anything. Jesus said, I only say what my father told me to say. I only do what I see my father do. When did Jesus find out what he was supposed to say and what he was supposed to do? Pastor Sandra gave me a key this morning in prayer. See, we treat prayer like, oh, holy. I mean, you might as well cut on some, some Halloween music or something, some prayer line. No. Father, this is a situation. What do I say? What do I do? If you look at Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't lean to your own understanding, your own reasoning. Men are really bad at this because we can come up with some stuff. We can come up with some solutions. Am I, can I get one male amen in the house? Amen. We are fixers. We, as husbands, we, we want to fix. Y'all not even finished with the whole problem. And we already, ho, 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 I already know what you need to do. I already know what you need to do. You ain't even heard it. I'm the man of God. I already know what you need to do. And then she starts talking. Oh, maybe I should have stopped waiting for a little while. Because I don't have the full piece of the pie. But we are fixers. That's what men do. Women, you all are fixers too, but y'all are very uh, word-filled, wordy. And if y'all miss a part, y'all don't just pick up what y'all miss. Y'all go all the way back to the beginning and then start over again. And if y'all miss something again, then y'all go back. I'm like, Lord Jesus. Will you just take me to the finish line already? Glory to God, you wearing me out. But God says, when, if you want to dominate, if you're going to rule, if you're going to reign, if you're going to carry out the charge to which the command and mandate I gave you, you have to have a prayer life. See, God created you. See, most people only think about when they come to church on Sunday, they only think about the priest side. I'm coming to church on Sunday. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray. I'm going to listen to somebody give me a word for a few minutes. And then I'm going to be gone. But see, God says, 
And in the book of Revelation chapter three, as you were Revelation chapter one, he says, I created you to be priests and kings. How do you think the gospel is going to get funded? Through the kings. The priests get before God. They give you, they get before God. They find out what the word is. They come back to you. And what do they get, feed you according to Jeremiah chapter 315? With knowledge and understanding. Our responsibilities, Pastor Mika, past, as you were Pastor Beatus and Pastor Sanders' job, our responsibilities are to feed you with knowledge and understanding. So that you can take what you learn, go back out into the world because they're only going to teach you according to the kingdom of God. You as a king, go back to your workplace, go back to your community, go back to your neighborhoods. And what do you do? You dominate. You ruled and reigned your, situ your situations according to what it is that you learned through the priest. Do y'all see that part? See, that's why you don't really understand what they're talking to you about, about tip is not heard of when you go in a lot of other churches. They don't talk about that. They only talk about the priest side. So you learn how to be a priest. What does a priest do? A priest represents heaven on earth. What does a king do? A king rules, dominates, according to the kingdom of God in the marketplace. If you want to change this, this situation, if you want to change the kingdom of Canada to represent the kingdom of God, you got to learn what does a king do. See, you're blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. You're not blessed to hoard up stuff. You're blessed to be a blessing until all families of the earth are blessed. But in order for you to be a king, in order for you to be a priest, you have to have a biblical world view. You will be surprised how many pastors and leaders don't have a biblical worldview. They did a survey recently in the States and found out that only 37% of senior pastors have a biblical worldview. You look at me like, what's a biblical worldview? I know y'all was going to ask me that. I'm going to tell you. Seven points. One, first point of a biblical worldview is absolute, absolutes exist and the Bible determines, determines them. Number two, that Christ lived a sinless life. Number three, God is, is all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe and he still rules today. Number four, salvation is by grace through faith, not by works. This one here. Number five, that Satan is a real being. Number six, Christians have the responsibility to witness. And number seven, that the Bible is accurate in all its teachings. So you're talking about the very people who are supposed to be the priests. Only 37% of them have a biblical worldview and believe all seven of those things. <clears throat> It says the majority of them, 62% of them have what's known as a secretism worldview, which means they believe a little bit of everything. So if you have the head, as the head goes, 
the body follows. So what you have in your house is a gold mine because you have pastors who, who have a biblical worldview. They only teach you about what the word of God has to say. So how can you carry out the kingdom, the, the, the mandate of the kingdom of God if you're not even taught what the kingdom of God is? What y'all think? Things that make you go, hmm. What does that have to do with you? I'm so glad you quit it. Remember, God made you a king and a priest. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a king, you're a king. And, a and a priest. Turn to your other neighbor, you're a king, you're a king. And, a priest. and a priest. Point to yourself say, I am a king, I am a king. And, a and a priest. As a priest, As a priest. I represent heaven. In the, in the earth. As a king, As a king. I, rule. I rule, dominate, dominate. In, the in the marketplace according to the kingdom of God. Do you understand that is a, that is a mandate? It's a command. It's not a suggestion. Everybody reads about 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 9, you know, you are a chosen royal race. Ooh, Lord, yes, I am. You are a royal priesthood. You're a de dedicated nation. Oh, that's my word. I needed to hear it. God's only purchase special people that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He didn't save you just to save you. He saved you with his purpose in mind. That he was going to use you. Not just Pastor Amika and uh, Pastor Betis and Pastor Sandra, but he was going to use you. Our instructions is to teach you what to do. Your instruction is to go out and carry it out. Y'all see that? See, God is taking his time with this. Because he doesn't see, he, he. Did you know the way that God is going to grow the church in this generation and generations to come is not the way you think. He's going to grow the church through children and youth. And the way, the reason why is because, yes, sir, he says, in most churches, and in fact, even in this survey, only 12% of youth pastors and children pastors had a biblical worldview. And they're the ones who are teaching your children. Because most children or most people's worldviews is formed before they get to the age of 13. So if you don't put the right stuff in there, they when you start feeding them your Jesus stuff, they have already formed another worldview. And if you don't know what they're teaching your children in children's church or youth church, you better go find out. So if they set that pattern, by the time they get to 13 and youth, they're, 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 they're reforming and reshaping that pattern until it gets solidified. And can I tell you one more secret as a former youth pastor? 85% of people who receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior do it between the ages of 12 and 18. So if your youth pastor or your children's pastor is not solid on the word, 
and they don't maintain a biblical worldview, better yet, they don't have a kingdom-minded worldview, what are you, why are you expecting a surprise when your kids wild out and do things that go totally contrary to what it is that you're supposed to be teaching them in the house? Can I tell you another secret? As a former youth pastor, you won't be able to get it all on Sunday. You got to trade them in the house. Don't just say it. Because, see, kids don't go by what you say. Kids go by what you do. Can I tell you something funny about little little kids because they don't know better? If you cuss in the house, but you come to church, you're right. When that child gets upset, which one do you think he's going to choose? Which one does he see the most? Cussing. So when he goes to school and cuss the teacher out, and then you, I can't believe you acting a fool. Right? And he like, but I, this is what I saw you do. Who you think you talking to? I mean, I'm the adult. You do what I say, not what I do. No, they're going to do what you do. So that's why I'm so thankful to God for Pastor uh, Sandra, Pastor Betis, because they do what they say. They don't tell you to do one thing and they do something else. What's the charge? What's the mandate you got to keep? Remember, you're a priest and a king. As a priest and a king, you represent heaven. As a priest, you represent heaven on the earth. As a king, you rule and dominate in the marketplace. To do what? To establish and expand the kingdom of God. This last point and I'm done. Jesus left his followers with the responsibility of extending the kingdom of God throughout the world. They were to be ambassadors of the kingdom. An ambassador is a representative sent by one kingdom to represent and transact business in another. That ambassador, talking about you, is a messenger and authorized agent of the kingdom which you represent. Your, you don't have an opinion if your opinion doesn't line up with the word. Because you're an ambassador. An ambassador only says what the king says. The ambassador only does what they see the king does. Jesus is the king of? He's the lord of? It didn't say he was the lord of followers. It says he's the king of kings. Talking about you. He's the lord of lords. Still talking about you. If you don't do it, then who will? You have a charge to keep. In Jesus' name, amen.